invite John to come up and Rasha is right here. She wanted to follow me, John. She's trying to sit down. I know. She's trying to sit down and, and be a member of the congregation instead of being up here. John said she can sense the energy in her room, so she must like it here, which is kind of cool. Okay. Um, I, want, I want to introduce y'all to John Wimmer. Um, I got to meet him, I guess, a couple weeks ago. And how it happened was this. I was talking with my staff about doing the mustard seed sermon and and um, that nothing is impossible. That's what I told Liza. And she said, Liza said, oh my gosh, you have to meet my friend John. Um, that's his whole theme in life, that nothing is impossible. And she showed me um, this video. And so I want y'all to watch this video, um, that it, which was my first introduction to John. See it? Have a few. Dude, do we look cool? Can it show us? Yeah, man. What <laughs> just happened? As I was sitting down, my camera fell. Just a few hours, two men and one dog will scale Mount Hood. Not an easy feat for any climber, but it will be even more difficult for John, who lost his eyesight more than 30 years ago. Picked up real bad and can pretty much stand at a 45 degree angle and the wind will be back. Yeah, you're on the ground there and I just find out that her whiskers are frozen. Stay, stay, stay. Yosemite Falls, or the upper lower falls, the upper part of the lower falls that is. This is uh, located in Yosemite Valley, central area of the park. We're about a third of the way into our hike. We're hiking to the very top, top of the upper falls. Well, this is here. Right. Huh? Careful, careful. Let's go slow, man. Don't let go of the handrail. It's just 200 feet. John is in pain.
So, John, thank you for coming to be here today. Oh, it's good to be here. Thank you for good. having me. Good. Um, and this is his second um, service, and so what we're going to do is I'm going to try to ask John slightly different questions. So, if you want to hear all about his mountain climbing, you're going to hear a little bit about it um, today. But if you want to hear even more, then listen to the podcast at 930 because he talked all about it. Um, but just tell us a little bit about yourself. Like, you, you lost your sight early, kind of. Sure. Like, um, what I have, it's been fading since I was young. It was first diagnosed uh, pre-kindergarten, uh, around five, somewhere around there. Um, and it's been fading steadily. So I've had time to adjust and adapt, I guess. Um, I grew up in Oregon, and I have always had a love of nature. Um, you know, for family things, we would go out into nature. We never bought Christmas trees. We'd go get them. And so I loved uh, going to the mountains and... Um, there was a gentleman that used to take uh, blind kids out into the mountains for long weekend trips. And, uh, you know, we didn't always take a tent. Sometimes we'd just sleep under a rain fly, you know, when it was snowing sometimes. Wow. And uh, <clears throat> I've been snowed on in August. So, um, you yeah, know, that's when I really uh, came to an appreciation for, for nature and the beauty. Mm -hmm. And it's, uh, it's a powerful thing. At an early age, even your family kind of encouraged that in you. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Somebody asked me after the service, um, "What was your what was your family like growing up?" I mean, did they encourage you to get out there? Uh, some, yeah. Uh, I'm my mother's only boy, and I grew up in a large family with a lot of uh, step brothers and sisters, and there's always uh, sibling sibling rivalry in situations mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. um, but I was encouraged in many ways, and and others, you know, uh, people have stereotypes, and I was uh, forced to deal with other people's stereotypes as well and limited in that way, but I uh, persevered, and, and now I do whatever I please, and it stresses my mother sometimes, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, you told me at the first service, you know the point where you're walking down those stairs, and I don't I think there's like a, whoa, hold on, it looks like there's a sheer cliff, and you said your mom. Yeah, yeah, I don't think she likes to watch that part over and over again. <laughs> but uh, my mother's a nurse and worked uh, triage for, uh, uh, well, she's been nursing since 75, and she worked uh, in an emergency room for over 10 years. And so she <clears throat> has seen, like, when things go bad, people come in and, you know, uh, so when I, whenever I do things, it, it worries her, but um, I don't know what to say, you know? It's just, like, <laughs> got to get out there and live life. Mm -hmm. yeah. So tell me about, um, I know we talked about some mountains you climbed, but they're going to want to know some mountains you climbed, and then tell me some countries you visited. Uh, sure. Well, I've climbed uh, some of the bigger ones, like in the West, uh, Rainier, Mount Hood, which is the tallest in Oregon. Um, one of the ones in the video where um, my climbing partner is uh, accurately alluding to the fact that I am in pain. Uh, that was Mount Whitney. We're a couple hundred feet below the summit there, and that's 14.5, um, Southern California. Um, so it's not always easy? No, it's, it's never easy. It's never once been easy. Um, it's always hard, but it's rewarding. And, uh, you know, on the other side of the fatigue and the toil and all the trouble and the you know, skin, knees, and bruised bodies, you know, because you do fall while I fall. Um, on the other side of that, it's a really profound feeling of uh, accomplishment. And besides that, you get to experience things that not everyone does. It's, it's uh, very beautiful, but it's also very powerful. Um, it's a kind of beauty that can kill you if you're not careful. Um, but it's, uh, it's very gratifying. And tell me what, when you get up to the top, because most of us would say we climb it for the view, and your view of it is limited. Sure. Um, I can see some contrast and stuff, so, I mean, sunsets are still very powerful. 
um, and, and they're nice at uh, altitudes. Uh, the stars, I, I can't see them in the lower elevations, but if I get at altitude, uh, they're very brilliant and bold. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm there for the beauty, certainly. Um, but, you know, it's not just a visual thing. It's uh, listen to the rock falls and the winds. Um, it's almost like a symphony when they blow through the peaks like that. Mm. And it's, uh, it's a very beautiful thing. It's very powerful yet peaceful. Mm-hmm. And uh, it feeds me spiritually. Mm-hmm. There's something like getting, I mean, you have to get back down. But for me, getting to the summit or wherever you're headed, it's a really great feeling of accomplishment. Y- yes, it is. <laughs> and then I start thinking about the walk down and how right. much my joints are going to hurt. <laughs> Um, yeah, the, the summit's just the 50-yard line. Mm-hmm. That's right. Yeah. That's right. We, I actually, I haven't told you this story, but we climbed something up in Crested Butte, and we were with our friend Daryl, and Daryl must be in his 60s, and he was like a mountain goat going up there, and Kevin and I are huffing, and, you know, we made it, and, but the kids are tiring out, and Daryl picks one of them up, puts him on his back, and goes all the way down, and, like, beats us, smokes us, with a kid on his back at 60 years old. <laughs> you know, I've had those experiences. I met a gentleman on Rainier that was uh, 57 years old, weighed 155 pounds, and he carried 75 pounds up to... Camp Muir, which is considerably above Timberline, mm. and uh, I have never carried that much weight up there, and I struggle every time I go, mm. and uh, that's rewarding, mm-hmm. uh, just to see that somebody's still doing that, mm-hmm. and uh, to know that, you know, that's something that has uh, longevity to it. Right. You know? It's inspiring when you see somebody who's not living within the normal limits that we think we have. Absolutely. Yeah. And so that's kind of why I have you here to talk to us today. So what are some countries you've visited? Well, I've uh, been to Mexico numerous times, uh, not just the border. I rode a uh, tandem bicycle from Laredo to Mexico City and pulled uh, Rosh in a trailer. Wow. How far is that? Long way. Were you afraid? <laughs> no, no. The guy that I was with grew up in Mexico City. Okay. And he was not only, he was intelligent, but also very street savvy as well. Mm-hmm. And um, so we, we never had any issues. He was very comfortable uh, okay. in his own country. Uh-huh. Um, you know, probably the most dangerous thing was traffic, but that was my experience. Others may have had others. Oh, other it's, yes. If you've ever been in any vehicle, let alone a bike in Mexico, it's, whoa. It's a different driving experience. Absolutely. It's a different country. <laughs> it is a different country. Yeah. So um, what did you learn from that trip? What was it like? How did you experience it? Well, one thing that sticks out, um, you know, uh, I, I'm off. Often I'll say that travel should be part of someone's education. I think it's integral to uh, education, really. And, you know, I've read a few books, uh, accessed my information via audio, but still, I'm assimilating the information. And uh, growing up in the U.S., you know, we, uh, we've done so much for freedom of the course of history. And sometimes we can get a little too wrapped up in the role that we play. And I was, it seems like a small thing, but a cab driver yelled at me like in a nice way. He says, hey, where are you from? I said, well, here. He says, now you lie. <laughs> he said, uh, what do you think of the freedom? And I just thought that was very interesting, mm. you know, that I was from the U.S., and he wanted to know me what I thought of his brand of freedom because mm. Mexico is uh, whatever their constitution may say. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, it is a very free place in many ways. And um, just being on the ground, having that experience, kind of got me out of the box, if you will, mm-hmm. and uh, approached things in a somewhat different way. And you said that the hardest thing was probably the language barrier. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Um, that's how I make connections with people, uh, is, you know, talking to them. And when I'm out of my element like that, it's much more of a challenge. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, I mean, things are still possible, of course, but it just uh, it becomes more of an effort. Mm -hmm. And then that was probably the biggest challenge down there because most people like dogs wherever you go. There's a little bit more fear when I was in Mexico, but you know, things like that you can work around. Um, but the uh, the lack of Spanish was probably the biggest <laughs> barrier, indeed. Yeah, it would be. Um, so what you talked about a little bit, you alluded to that people have stereotypes. We, we all carry around stereotypes, but what are some stereotypes you've encountered about people with, um, who are blind or who are disabled in some way that you'd like to overcome? You know, in, in some sense, I mean, I, I've gotten this plenty and it's, uh, it's fine now, but uh, often people will assume a certain level of incompetence mm -hmm. and um, <clears throat> that can be frustrating. That certainly isn't the case, um, but people uh, people do have their own biases, and they can be nice, but they'll 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 try to make you deal with them anyway, even if it's subconsciously. Mm -hmm. um, you know, people are used to seeing things a certain way, and it can be a little disconcerting for them sometimes. Mm -hmm. um, it doesn't really bother me too much, you know. If somebody says, "Well, you don't seem blind," and <clears throat> I'm not too wrapped up in manners, you know, well, what they're really doing is giving me a compliment. You know, mm -hmm. and that's kind of how I choose to take it these days. Mm -hmm. And you said sometimes people even accuse you of pretending. Yes, I get that sometimes. That's kind of a really high compliment, right? Well, yeah, some, yeah. Some, I guess I some mean, people kind of rude, are jealous. But... They, they don't have good social skills. <laughs> yeah. And uh, they don't have a rasha. Uh -huh. And so they just must assume I'm up to something. Uh-huh. So, and... yeah, but you said as you've um, gotten older that you've, you do conform to some. There's, there's some that you just are like, uh, I give up. Sure. I mean... It, <clears throat> Well, it, it facilitates interactions with people. Mm -hmm. Sometimes uh, disabusing people of their notions can be cumbersome for them. Um, and I'm, a, I'm aware of, of some things. Mm -hmm. And so I, uh, I, I try to be accommodating to a degree, but I still keep my, my integrity. Uh -huh. I'm going to ask you a question that probably will embarrass you, but you've done all of these things, and yet... Um, you don't really read your own press. I mean, you're not, you're pretty humble. No, you start about... believing that stuff, you're in trouble. Yeah. <laughs> the things the news has had me doing, I uh -huh. swear. They've had me dog sledding through Greenland with Russia running alongside. <laughs> Never been to Greenland. <laughs> um, you know, and so it's, um, I'm not competing with anyone. Uh, for me, it's uh, more or less just a test of uh, myself and my own abilities. Mm -hmm. And um, so I don't take... Uh, I don't take that stuff too terribly seriously. I mean, it's nice to hear, of course, mm -hmm. but uh, if you take it too seriously, then it can be you know, disappointing when it fades, and fame at any level is like that. It's fleeting. If you right. don't nurture it, it fades. Mm -hmm. So how would you recommend, I mean, I think a lot of people would like to be able to approach someone who you know, has a guide dog or something like that. How do you recommend people do that? They don't want to say the wrong thing, you know? Um, good question. Um, you know, I, I see some of those folks on the, uh, the city buses sometimes, and I'm, you know, around the university. Mm -hmm. And most people are not as free and open with their guide dogs as I am. Mm -hmm. um, for me, I do it because it's part of quality of life, making connections with people. Mm -hmm. And a dog is a great icebreaker. Um, so maybe don't. Well, don't mess with guide dogs. Yeah, or ask. <laughs> okay. You know, is it better, though? Is it, would you rather someone um, ignore you or try to interact? Even oh, if they're fumbling. It's almost, always, it's more fun to interact with people. Mm -hmm. Always. Okay. So yeah. make, the, make the try. Yeah, of course. Okay, make the try. Yeah. Um, what would you say, there, we have some people in our church who are struggling with different things, some who are struggling with loss of their own vision. Do you have any words of encouragement? 
Well, it all comes down to quality of life, in a sense. Uh, you know, you can live a very high quality life with all kinds of impairments. Mm -hmm. You know, being uh, the vision is relatively easy. I spent some time in a wheelchair and uh, three months, and that drove me crazy. And I felt very lucky, and I, I knew I was going to get out of that wheelchair and walk again. And, um, you know, it left me with a really profound sense of empathy for those who are actually stuck there. Mm -hmm. uh, but there's people that have, uh, some guy went up Mount Shasta, I heard, which is a 14,000-foot mountain in uh, Northern California, had a wheelchair. And I guess mm. he had his own custom thing, and he used his arm strength to pull himself up. Wow. You know, and uh, that's amazing, because I've been up that mountain, mm -hmm. and uh, I can't even imagine. Yeah, y'all have got to check out the podcast about him, like, climbing up 150 foot. That, that was at the first service. But I won't let you tell that story again, but that amazes me. Um, you told me that some people get bitter, though. How do you avoid bitterness? Quality of life, mm -hmm. making connections with people. Mm -hmm. um, I have friends around me. They, they won't let me be bitter for too long. Yeah. Um, you know, my, my friends criticize me. My, my best friend, I was railing to him about something. And he just laughs at me and says, whatever, your problems are so simple. <laughs> you know, it's he, good to have those people, isn't it? <laughs> well, he's been with the same girl since he was 16, and he's raising a family and was struggling with uh, his oldest boy at the time. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the various dysfunctions of my life were nothing to him. And, mm. you know, it was ni it's, it's nice to hear that sometimes, to put it in context. Uh-huh, it is. So yeah. what do you hope that, you know, people are watching you even if you'd, you know, rather not be famous? What do you hope they learn from you? Uh, you can do whatever you want. Yeah. You know, I mean, it's, it's a challenge to go up these mountains, and, and I do it for a variety of reasons. You know, for one is the challenge. I like the, uh, when I said nature feeds me spiritually, that's true. That's mm -hmm. where I really came to the uh, idea and conclusion that God is in, indeed an artist. It's just too beautiful. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, you can do what, whatever. I mean, I've been inspired by people that had impairments that were much worse than anything I have to deal with. Um, so there really is nothing that's impossible. Mm. And uh, perseverance is, is key. I mean, if I would have quit a long time ago, you know, or quit when it was difficult or when it was painful, um, I wouldn't be in the position I am today. Tell me about that Latin word, the one that I said would preach. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. In, in, in Latin, I think it comes from the Greek originally, but in Latin, the word for um, habit is only habit in the singular. If you use it in the plural, it's character. And often language can give you insight into how a culture views things. Mm -hmm. And you, know, the Greeks, and I guess the Romans too, thought that uh, your character was the sum of your habits. Right. So what you choose day after day mm -hmm. is who you become. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I think so too. So we, we are choosing today who we are growing into. Yes, and it's, uh, I hear it's a journey, step by step. That's right, it's a journey, yeah. It's a process of becoming. And you've actually been on, I mean, speaking of the journey that Liza talked to, talked about, you've been on that, that journey. We won't give it away, but you've done that. Yes. So what did you, you said that kind of your interaction with, um, there's a lot of homeless people around the, the campus and that mm -hmm. are around you. You said your interactions with them changed, that you actually tried... Just, just say how those changed. Not th even if it's not through the journey, just how you've changed over time in interacting with them. Well, you know, um, one of uh, the things that really, the, the journey for me was really uh, was good for personal growth because I have these presuppositions. Mm -hmm. And to actually get out there, I, I make connections with people all the time, so that's, that, that's an easy thing for me. And then to be out there and, you know, offer them, you know, water and try to say things to them about 
about church, you know, it's very, uh, it can be very difficult because mm-hmm. a lot of people have had some very negative experiences and there's hard, it's hard for one person to overcome mm-hmm. uh, their, their biases mm-hmm. or their upbringing. Um, so it really impressed upon me how difficult it was to do that. Mm-hmm. And um, with homeless people, uh, that's easy. I just try to be gracious with them and actually kind. Mm-hmm. And uh, it, it's not hard to do. You know, I have sympathy for them. For many of them, I wouldn't want to be where they're at. Mm-hmm. You know? and, and you said that you can tell the difference between politeness and kindness. I think most people can. Uh-huh. You know, uh, manners are one thing, but genuine human kindness is another thing. Mm-hmm. And uh, they have a different feel to them. Mm-hmm. Often people will hide behind manners. You right. know, I've done it. You know, so it happens. Yeah, but kindness is the real deal. Well, yeah, that's, that's powerful. Mm-hmm. Um, so you told me some of your favorite scriptures, and I'm going to, you, you actually, not many people would say, oh, I love Hosea and Ecclesiastes. So I love, I love you for putting these out there. So I went and read some of John's favorite scriptures. Some of them are from Ecclesiastes. I challenge y'all to read that book in the Old Testament as well. And this is one of them. I read, the, I read another one that I found that reminded me of him um, at the first service. But this is from Ecclesiastes chapter 9, which is the chapter you said you enjoyed. Whatever your hand finds to do, do it with your might, for there is no work or device or knowledge or wisdom in the grave where you're going. And John, I just see you living that kind of life, that whatever you do, you do it with passion and with excellence, and you're going to give your all to it. Yeah, live, live while you're here because, uh-huh. you know, quality of life is just key. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, it's, uh, if I leave the house happy, good things happen for me. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I mean, I need, to, I need those challenges, mm-hmm. you know, to, uh, to be happy. And um, absolutely, if, if, if there's a secret uh-huh. and it's all over, you don't get your time or your money back. So you have to engage and do things while you're here. That's a good word. Yeah. Well, I wanted to see in our last couple of minutes if um, some folks have some questions for you, if that's okay. Of course. Okay. So who has a question for John? Uh, well, it depends. I can crack jokes. I say, oh, Jesus gave her to me. <laughs> and that's true. That is, yeah. I got her from a guide dog school in Ohio, and they don't really proselytize or anything, but that's what they do. They, mm-hmm. uh, they give, uh, it's a nonprofit, and they give uh, guide dogs to, to blind people. And it's done more for my quality of life than virtually anything else. Because you didn't always have... A, a dog? No, Ross is my second. Um, I went to uh, Turkey on a study abroad program and uh, took a four four story fall and came uh, came home with all kinds of broken stuff on a stretcher. And uh, after I got out of the hospital, I was looking for some sort of lifestyle change uh, in order to keep myself from doing that stuff. And uh, it just become a little bit too challenging to try try to play it off like I like I can actually see. And uh, well, once I got the dog, it was just incredible. Life took off in so many different ways, mm-hmm. in ways I never would have expected. Mm-hmm. You know. What's another question? Yes. How long did it take you to, to develop a bond? Oh, about five minutes, if that. <laughs> um, she's very calm now, but when she was two and a half, uh, one thing that they do is they put you in a room by, your, by yourself, and they bring the dog down, and you get acquainted with them for about an hour, and then you start doing things with them. And she came in, I was sitting on the floor, and she came in and just uh, did a somersault and a dive and <laughs> hit me like right in the body with her hindquarters and started rolling around. I was like, okay, you're very excitable, and I think we're going to be friends. <laughs> and we just, we bonded just like that. You know, it was pretty quick. 
Six years. I've had a roster for six years. What's the most impressive place you visited? Oh, good question. It's almost like saying I like what my favorite song is. There's just so many that are good. Um, I'm really, I grew up in the, uh, what, boreal rainforest, if you will. I grew up in Oregon, and I love that area, but I'm really fond of uh, desert as well. And Utah has some of the most sculpted, beautiful desert that's, that I've ever seen. Um, Arches, Zion National Park, beautiful places. Um, you know, I've been to some really interesting places in Oregon, this uh, place called Silver Creek Falls, where you can walk behind the waterfalls, these very large ones. It's... Uh, you know, beautiful and powerful. Mm -hmm. He's trying to convince me to go to Bryce Canyon. That's, I'm going to put that on my list. Yeah, Bryce Canyon. Yeah. I'd recommend anyone to go there. Uh -huh. Other questions? Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Especially when I go home. Uh, when I go home, I've been to many of those areas uh, so many times, and I can... Uh, I can use like my memories of what they used to look like with what I still have and kind of put them together. Mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, that, that does work for me. Yeah. Let's have maybe two more. Yes. Phil? They're saying, he's saying you're, he's witnessing a miracle in you. Yeah, that's Bill. And Bill, Bill, you're recovering too from a lot, and that's a miracle that we're seeing as well, isn't it? Yeah. Well. Another question? Should we close with Bill? Would that be good? Okay, let's pray. God, I thank you so much for John, for what you have encouraged and inspired him to do, and for the way that he encourages and inspires us. Um, we, we have a lot of excuses, and um, when we get to hear from him, we think those aren't worth very much. And so help us to take the hold, hold of the hands of the friends that we have and have faith in you and realize that really nothing is impossible, that if you are calling us to do that, we can answer that call and help us have the strength to respond and to be brave and to be bold for you. We ask all this in Jesus' name. Amen.